Today's teaching text comes from the first book of Samuel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zaph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, the man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever that day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their homes at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So, in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Church, uh, what a week we have just had. We are several weeks into Epiphany here. Uh, we just had the inauguration of our new president, uh, as well as the first ever uh, female, black, and Asian-American vice president. And I think regardless of your politics, that's a beautiful moment that speaks to the possibility of America. So even though our allegiance is first in the kingdom of God, we do want to be in prayer for our country in this time. Epiphany is a season where we ask, how do we live in response to, to God and, and the revelation of God's presence, uh, specifically in the person of Jesus? And so we're looking at these encounters with God in the scripture and how our lives change in light of those encounters. So we're beginning and ending with Jesus, but we're uh, along the way, we're, we're making a few steps in Israel's story um, to witness a couple of encounters with God that happen in sort of wildly different circumstances. And today, we have this story of Hannah, and it's very different than Moses in the burning bush or Isaiah, you know, being undone in God's presence in the throne room, which we're going to see later in Epiphany. 
Hannah's encounter with God has its own unique contours, and uh, I think they're instructive for us. So just really quickly to get a scope of the story, we meet Hannah in prolonged disappointment. Uh, you know, we, we've said this phrase at TGC before, some of us have been discipled by disappointment. It's hard for us to lift our eyes up in hope because of some of what we've experienced. She isn't able to have a child, uh, and she's quite frankly in anguish ab- about it. Um, in her culture, that was a particular challenge to her identity. Um, it was a challenge to her future security. Um, it was it was uh, leading to challenges in her relationship. So she's been through this this prolonged disappointment. Years have gone by, um, even in the in the first few sentences of the story. She's also being deeply provoked by her rival um, Penina. Uh, And so far from receiving comfort from her family, actually her relationships with her family members are adding to her pain. Um, And it was even particularly painful around worship, this moment in their year when they would go to worship worship God in in, in these special ceremonies, in these special ways. Um, Here's something that God could have seemingly easily granted and yet wasn't. And so uh, going to worship for Hannah was was a painful experience. Some of you will have known what that was like. Um, Her husband sort of stumbles in in, in how to try to comfort her. Um, (laughs) He makes a a mistake that husbands sometimes make, and he makes the the problem about him, and he tries to fix it. And he he says, um, her husband Elkanah would say to her, so this isn't that he just said it once, once, he would say regularly to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And um, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't help Hannah's heart or, or mind in that moment. So Hannah approaches God in the story in deep anguish. And I think that that's contrasted a little bit from you know where we found Moses last week in sort of apathy, wandering from his true identity. She is in um, deep anguish. The text says she's weeping bitterly. So, but she also is approaching God with this mixture of longing and surrender. Uh, she she commits even in her prayer to commit her child to God. And there's a really interesting detail in the story. Hannah, when she's praying, she calls God by a name in Hebrew that no one in the, in the, in the Torah, in the text, all the way up to this point has called God. The, the, the term, the Lord Almighty that she uses in her pain is a new name for God. So her pain leads her on this exploration of God's character that reveals something new about this, this Yahweh, this God that we've been coming to know. It's, it's a really beautiful moment. And then we have Eli, um, this, this priest who himself is imperfect. We know some of the family troubles that Eli has. Um, but Eli does what, what priests do, right? And we, and we in, in Christ, you know, centuries later, understanding more of the priesthood of all believers, understand this is part of our ministry as well. But Eli offers Hannah peace um, and he joins in with her prayer. And Hannah leaves the presence of God, uh, or leaves this time of, of prayer, and it says her face was no longer downcast. And the incredible thing is nothing circumstantially has changed about her story at that, at that point. Um, 
but she has been renewed in the presence of God. And I think that's one of the really beautiful, powerful, instructive parts of Hannah's story is even before uh, the answer to her prayer comes, um, she, she's transformed in the, in the presence of God. And, and then in the course of time, Hannah does become pregnant. She gives birth to Samuel, uh, which in Hebrew sounds like heard by God. So even the name of this child reflects um, this, this, this prayer bringing her anguish to God. The, the Several characters along the way in the story so far uh, in, in the scriptures up to this point have, have marked how incredible it is that when we, when we cry out to God that we are heard. And we know uh, from knowing more of the story that Samuel is going to go on to walk with God himself, um, but also to anoint uh, the, the first two kings of Israel, Saul, uh, Saul and David. And to me, uh, that uh, points to the reality that the results of our encounters with God uh, are beyond what we could ask or imagine. We, we have no idea the scope of what God might be doing in a given moment, even in the midst of our deep anguish, of our prolonged disappointments, of times when we feel provoked, of times when we feel like it's even painful to come to God in worship. And I love Hannah's story for, for how it directs us to God's presence with our pain, uh, with, our, with, our, with, with all the things we just mentioned, our, our disappointment. Uh, I love how it deals with real rivalry and bitterness. Um, I, I can relate to a husband who misses the point and just tries to fix something when he should empathize. But I also think it's a challenging story because Hannah gets what she wants. And for some of us, uh, you know, we, we've had encounters with God where that didn't happen. And that, that's a painful thing to consider, right? We don't always get exactly what we want, even when we truly encounter God. Sometimes what we come to ask for changes over time by being in God's presence, by being directed by God's Spirit. Some of us, though, are still waiting for things we really are longing for, things that for us have been prolonged disappointments. So I wanted us to hear one more story this week. And this one from, uh, not, not, not plucked from biblical times, but from our own time, from our own church family. And of course, even hearing two stories is not going to cover all the possibilities. Um, but I think this one is really faith building uh, for, for what we do with our hearts and how we pray in times of uh, longing and waiting. So many of you know Logan and Emily Meyer. Uh, they're longtime members of TGC. Uh, you know, they, they've both served as, as deacons. Um, Logan is, is currently on our benevolence team. Um, they're incredible people for all of you who know, who know them. And they're going to share some of their story of, of their adoption that took place during this pandemic. And uh, it really is incredible. Two beautiful twins have joined their family, Theodore and Lillian. Um, and so you're going to get to hear their story in just a moment. But um, I want to acknowledge something before we jump in. And, um, and that's that, of course, we're only telling one part uh, of this story. And it's quite moving, in my opinion. Uh, but adoption is a complicated and delicate process. We're not hearing both sides. Uh, uh, we're certainly not implying that God was only at work in one you know, part or one side of this story. In fact, even in Hannah's story, there's tons of pain on the periphery of the story that the author doesn't uh, give us a window into, that we don't get to see all of. We know it's impacting the story, but we don't, we don't see uh, all of it. So when, when you hear this story of, uh, of the Meyer family, um, you know, we, we still we want to honor the pain. 
We want to honor the sacrifice um, and, and the love of the birth mother and family as well as, as, as Logan and Emily's faith and, and their journey. So we know there are details of, of that, that part of the story that are not ours to know, right? Uh, we don't know all the ways that God was working on that side. And yet, I think still this is um, really worth diving into. There's so much beauty and I think even direction for our hearts uh, in what you're about to hear. So massive thanks uh, to Logan and, and Emily for sharing so vulnerably. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. I was so... Looking forward to getting to talk to you guys about this process. You know, Logan, you were catching me up on some of the details of the actual adoption moments and, and just ways that God showed up in, in that time. And I thought it could be so beautiful just to hear a little bit about the steps and the journey that you took um, to this, you know, joyous, you know, joyous season that you're in now. Um, you know, I, I think that we'll probably look back at 2020 for all of the pain of it and realize as we as we actually uncover our stories to one another that uh, in a bunch of different ways God was still you know still showing up powerfully still teaching us things still meeting us in those you know yeah. you know those quiet pajama days in our houses <laughs> um, uh, and I'm sure uh, you, you guys felt that so I've known you for a long time many people in our church have known you for a long time and have walked a little bit through this journey with you but tell us some of what it was like to go through the stages before the adoption process when you were when you were waiting when you had these expectations and hopes for what your family was going to be and those weren't happening as as you had as you had imagined like what was that process like yeah i think you know the process was um it was challenging um in 2015 really we we you know said officially you know let's 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 try to you know start a family and um you know we we sort of went through went through i would say about uh, over a year over a year mm -hmm. uh, of trying to trying to have to start a family and a, a little over a year into that we you know had started i mean before the year we had started to get a little anxious and had been praying and been asking god um yeah to, to just bring to bring about a family in our in our home and to make our family of two become a larger family really um, and yeah, about a little over a year into that we sort of started you know speaking to some doctors and some other folks and and more or less found out that, that there was like a really very small chance that we would ever be able to to get pregnant um, and so you know that process was was hard. Um, you know, TGC is TGC is not short of of <laughs> small children, um, yeah. and and so it was a, it was challenging at times to sort of walk into the doors on Sunday morning and just see beautiful families and and beautiful children sort of all running around, um, and to be sitting in the longing and sitting in the hoping, mm -hmm. um, and continually just trying to pray um, that God would that God would grow our family. Um, and so, you know, for, for a year, it was really, really tough. Uh, over a year, it was really tough. Um, yeah, not too long after sort of getting the, the sort of definitive news. Um, yeah, we just, we said, we still had the desire to say, you know, you know, God, we want a family. I want to be a dad and Emily wants to be a mom. Um, help us like walk with us through like what 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 that might look like and yeah i think 
at that point we had really started to just explore. Um, Can I touch back on the yeah the absolutely. kind of the waiting process? Yeah. I think during the you know as we were trying for over a year, yeah. there's this hope hope like um, oh you know I I hear that people it might take more than a year like families in our church had told us like oh it took us. 17 months, 19 months, whatever. And so you're counting the months. Um, and then I think once we got, so there was still hope. Um, and then once we got the more definitive news that it was very unlikely, that was kind of a different phase, I think, for me. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it, because as a believer, we still believed like this isn't, doesn't have to be definitive. Like God could do anything like he could we could get pregnant this month if that's what he wants um but also wanting to remain open-handed to to what he was doing so it was a very delicate like i would journal and pray like god i pray that we would get pregnant but also i'm open to what you're doing uh, and like what your plan is so it was this back and forth and um i think after we got the more definitive news. I definitely went through a lot of grief. Yeah. Um, I think from, cause we found that out in like July, 2017, mm-hmm. probably at least like six or eight months. There was just, it was, I grieved things I, I didn't know I even cared about, about like carrying a, um, a child and different, um, just different elements of that. And, um, yeah, it was it was surprising. Like I'd never I think up until this point, I in my relationship with God, I was used to like there's something difficult that I'm like thinking about and then I pray about it and I feel better. Right. <laughs> and it, in this situation, it was years and years and years of of um just kind of pain and grief. And it didn't, I would pray about it and I knew that God was holding me and I knew he was with me, but it didn't necessarily feel better. (laughs) And so that was a new, something new. And I, there was a lot of days I just, I would sit and journal and cry and be upset and have a lot of questions and know that amidst all that God was holding me. but the, the years-long aspect of that was something new that I hadn't, yeah. hadn't dealt with before. Yeah, going to God is not, is not changing the circumstances. You know, mm-hmm. and in Hannah's story, several family members are unhelpful in different ways. Um, but, you know, you're, as you mentioned, you're in a, in a, in a church family. You're in a family family. Um, as you're in that period of waiting, what were the things that were helpful in sustaining in that time? And then maybe if you can say what were some of the things that were that added on to, added on to the pain, made it made it worse. If you can even talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think I really appreciated. Um, I mean, I think I would say mostly just our close community knew, but I really appreciated when people would ask, um, even though it was painful. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, how are you doing with this? Yeah. Um, I think I had, if, if, so, if I knew that someone knew this was going on, but would never bring it up or ask me about it, it felt like quite lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 
there were several, um, like a lot of our friends um, were getting pregnant and having kids during this time. And um, a couple women were like very gracious about, I just told them like, I can't go to a, I'm sorry, I just can't come to your baby shower. Like I, I can't, like I love you, I'm like excited, but I'm, I'm not gonna be able to, to be there and yeah. not cry, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, and I, there was so much grace with that and I appreciated people um, being able to hold space for my grief amidst their joy um, and not expect yeah. um, me to just be able to like stuff it in. Um, so I think those, those were some things that come to mind that were helpful. That's, I, I find that so helpful to talk about you know, this type of thing because we know these, these types of experiences are happening in our midst and um, sometimes you know, we don't know what it's like to be in that obviously, but also how to approach our you know, friends and neighbors who are in you know, different, different really trying moments. You know, we know what our experience in passing through them has been like, but Logan, would you add anything to that? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think that there's, there's the, the difficult parts uh, of that process were not to say that there's like this dismissive comments, but I think, because I think most people are, are very well-intentioned, um, but it, it's hard. It's hard when you've been in the process to continue to hear, oh, it's gonna, it's gonna work out. Um, and not necessarily to say like, oh, it's gonna work out. We know God has a plan for your family, but to say like, oh, you're just like, you're gonna get pregnant. Uh, oh, yeah. it, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> like, and, and I think yeah. those were, those were, those were challenging comments to hear um, because at a certain point we, we did start to, we started talking to, about adoption and, and there was a moment for me where like adoption was like, oh, absolutely. This is like sort of like the light went off that like yeah. God has a, God has a plan and a, and has timing for our, our story as a family. And I became convinced that like, I'm, we are adopting like we could get pregnant today but like we are still adopting because like wow. i know that this is something that god has for us um and so it was it was challenging at times to hear still hear people almost like be dismissive of of some of that yeah. and to say like oh well you're it, it's gonna happen yeah right the yeah, mm -hmm. yeah so well and i think still a lot of people say oh as soon as you adopt you'll get pregnant like a lot of people like to say that and it's kind of like well our adoption was not a means to an end. Like we right. feel like yeah. these are the children God intended for us. And we could, like we could get pregnant. We don't know, but um, that's, yeah, that's a very, dis that comment feel like, feels like it's like dismissing the beauty of the adoption. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for having the courage to get into this. Um, yeah. sure. I, I want to hear some about um, that process of, of adoption becoming, you know, like a true, you know, not just possibility, but sense of calling in your heart. What was that? What was that like after you know such a long period of waiting? So right as we started, um, just kind of like dipping our toes in to explore adoption, a couple of things happened um, that just showed us. I feel like God was very kind and sweet to to kind of be like, "You're on the right track here." <laughs> um, and so I think. I wanted to mention two of those things, but one of them is that we, we had lived in the same 
apartment in Brooklyn for six years, one bedroom apartment. And um, as we decided we're gonna start this adoption process, we were like, we're gonna move to a two bedroom apartment. And that same month, our landlord called us and said, are you interested in a two bedroom? Like your apartment is actually a two bedroom apartment and it's just had this bedroom walled off for the past 30 years. Hang on, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your one bedroom was a two bedroom and you didn't know it? Yeah. Yes. He, he called and, and said, yes. you know, there's actually, a, there's actually a bedroom like that's been boarded up and closed off for the last 30 years. And, you know, if you want, we'd love to have you as tenants. If you, if you want, we can knock down that wall and make your one bedroom a two bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we sort of like stopped and like realized like, okay, like there's, there's absolutely this, we were like, okay, this could be a coincidence, but that feels like a very like interesting coincidence. Um, and then, you know, not long after that, like at the same time, literally, I think within the same, like within a couple of days of each other, Emily and I like came upon this, this verse that was, that also spoke to us. And it, there were just continued to be not only the, these two, but like mm-hmm. other markers where God, we felt like God was leading us down a path to say, no, like, I see you. Like, I know the grief and the, and the difficulty of the waiting and the timing, trusting me with timing, but I see you and I have a plan for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was another, there was a verse in Isaiah 49 that has, and I think even like, yeah, there's, it was just, it's a beautiful verse um, that we were, have been able to cling to amidst that as well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it felt very, I felt very seen by God knowing that when we moved into this apartment, like six years yeah. before, that he knew wow. what we would face and where we would be. And he knew that he had this in store, mm-hmm. like in this timing. Yeah. And that it made me feel so um, like, okay, what is God doing right now? that he's gonna reveal 10 years from now. <laughs> like, I just felt kind of like, okay. This room has always been there. That's right. unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I didn't wanna, I wanted to, we felt like he provided that room at just the right time and it was very, I, we felt like he was showing us that he was, he was like providing for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanna hold on to that you know, <laughs> for my own life. Like, you know, what are the things that I can't see, you know, right now, but that you were providing for? That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is simultaneously the most New York story I've ever heard. And then, like, I can't imagine that to happen very much at all. Like, it's also so rare, like, right. to mm-hmm. discover another room. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And our landlord was like, can we just, can I come by and, like, uh, cut a hole in your wall tomorrow to see like what's going on in there and we were like sure okay <laughs> i just i hope like that you found some wonderful things in that and that <laughs> we, were, we were we were curious if there was going to be mm-hmm. something crazy hidden behind those walls but there was nothing oh man mm-hmm. okay so yeah back to your other question. well no yeah. you get you get these sort of sign signposts along the way mm-hmm. and then you get into the process but it's not it's not an overnight thing there's still mm-hmm. a lot of waiting in that um, what are some ways that you saw maybe God show up or, or things you processed in, in that, that period as you were like, okay, we're all in on this adoption? Mm-hmm. I think one thing was, um, you know, there's a, a close friend of ours that out of the blue had said, you know, hey, we had spoken to her about adoption, but she'd said, oh, I just started working as a social worker um, at this adoption agency and you know, maybe you should check it out. And And that felt like this is a person who we, who we feel close to and who like um, we had shared parts of our, our story with. And that felt like 
wait, okay, like, God, you've placed this person who we trust in a position at an agency that is sort of like helping open the door to like, to gradually sort of tiptoe into like exploring what this process might look like. Um, yeah, and then even not long after that, finding out about some other friends at TGC at that same time that they were, they were exploring adoption. And so the beauty of getting to walk through the adoption process alongside someone else mm-hmm. at TGC was also like, it just a like, gift. it was a, an absolute gift. And yeah. I think both of those were, were part, like an, just another set of sort of signposts along the way to say like, no, like I'm, I'm with you and I see you and, and I'm going to walk alongside you through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as far as the adoption process from our first like info session, to check out this agency to going live and become <laughs> a waiting family is what they call it. It took us about a year, oh, wow. um, yeah. which we, we probably could have done it faster, but um, we, there's lots of paperwork, fingerprinting, like deep autobiographies. Um, there's a whole vetting process. Mm-hmm. Uh, Classes. Um, so it took us about a year and I think some, I mean, there's a lot of decisions to be made. There's a lot of conversations to be had. And I think um, we just had, we had a lot of conversations and a lot of prayer. And um, I think my, I feel like I would say to Logan amidst these conversations, cause we didn't agree on everything. Yeah. And I just felt like we're not gonna miss the child that God has for us. Um, like even though all these decisions feel very like weighty and some, some feel arbitrary. Like I think, I think God's gonna, we're not going to miss the child. Yeah. yeah. Does it feel like how we how we come across on this form could determine our future? Yes. Like, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, to the point of like, you know, you build a book. You, so you sort of you sort of have to like show who you are to prospective um, hmm. per, to some prospective per, like birth parents, um, and because there's you know they 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 get the opportunity when they're making an adoption plan to look at um, waiting families. And so you sort of have to say like, oh, does this, does, does, do we look like the sort of family that someone would, would want? Our resume. <laughs> right, yes. right. Um, and so, yeah, it's, yeah, it was definitely a, a challenging process, but the whole time, I think Emily made, Emily's point throughout the whole thing was like, we can't screw this up. Like yeah. God knows who our child or children. Um, are, are going are going to be mm-hmm. and and you know we just have to like go through this like take each step um, and just wait and just try to that was the hard part though the, the waiting is is definitely is definitely a process because um, it was a year just to get all of the paperwork done and submitted and to be ready and waiting and then we waited close to a year after that to to get the official phone call. There's so much faith in this and then also diligence. I mean, I'm imagining there was, with all that else is going on in your life, like, you know, staying on top of all, all the parts of that process must have been, must have been really challenging. Um, so this formative process is happening in your lives and, and hearts and, um, Tell us about the moment you you find out this is this is really happening. Like, you know, it's they tell you these these children are waiting for you in Philadelphia. Like, 
Well, I think... Kind of. So something, I mean, something interesting that happened, like a few weeks before, a friend that used to go to TGC, Mary Saunders, sent me a text and said, I had a dream that you adopted a boy and a girl. Um, and I was like, do your dreams usually <laughs> come true? <laughs> and she was like, sometimes. And I was just like, okay. Could you give me a percentage? Yeah. Like eight out of ten? Yeah. And then that, it was a Thursday that we first heard about Lily and Theo. And that morning in my women's prayer group, we had just, you know, with adoption, you find out, like, you might be shown to this family or this family or and um, you find out if you were chosen or not. And we had just been turned down um, for two families um, in the weeks leading up to this. Um, not selected. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm sure not selected feels like turned down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like, what's the it, felt, it felt less harsh in my yeah, mind. Yeah, they didn't. We were not selected. And so I was having a hard time with that. And I was in my Thursday morning women's prayer group. And I said to them, like, it's fine. Like, we, you know, I didn't want just one baby. I want twins. And so we prayed for twins that Thursday morning. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of joking. Um, Is but... this post the Mary dream? Yeah. After that dream. Yeah. But, I mean, amidst all of that, there's, there's, you know, political unrest happening in the country at that mm -hmm. time. There is... There's a lot happening. The pandemic is still like very much like a lot of unknown um, and uncertainty there. And so that morning, sort of Emily had finished prayer and she sort of like took a deep breath and was like, okay, you know, we're getting close to the end of the week. She's starting to feel like a little <laughs> relaxed. And then I got an email. I, I saw the email first and, and I said, wait, there's... We just got an email from our agency. There's, there's not one, but two children that we could potentially be placed with in Philadelphia. And, you know, basically the next two days, we sort of had to wait. There was, there was sort of some more to that process of waiting to hear if we would officially be selected um, as, as the adoptive parents. And, you know, a couple of days later, we got the news. And when you hear twins, are you just like, here we go, this is this is it or you're like holding back on hope or we were very excited and hopeful and I was also like terrified yeah yeah so, like all of a sudden like yeah. it's getting real yeah. yeah so I'm like we live in a fourth floor walk-up we need to find another room yeah. right? <laughs> we need to find a magic elevator in this yeah. this old building yeah because um, I mean we had kind of joked about twins we thought it would be great to have twins also very difficult to have twins um but to see that email, that it, I think it said something like, twin A, twin B, and we were like, oh, gosh, okay. Yeah, no, and so two days later, we it was that sort of very anxious oh couple gosh. of days of, of waiting to, to hear the official news that we've been selected. Um, but we found out at 4 o'clock on a Saturday, and we're told, can you be here, can you be here tomorrow at 11? Um, in Philly. In Philly. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And I feel like a prayer beacon might have gone out sometime around here because I remember like getting that news and being like, okay, it's, we're, we're going to pray. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were able to, some friends rallied around and said, you know, let's, let's get you, because at that point we had prepared because of the pandemic, like, what if we get the call? We, we had one baby. One, we were, we were prepared with one, <laughs> one car, yeah. we're right, one car yeah. seat, some formula, some diapers, but definitely not enough for two. And so, 
someone someone came along and you know gave us a um the the boat rights gave us a a car seat and they got us to the airport we rented a car and yeah yeah then we then bright and early the next day we drove down to philly and and we knew so um Lily and Theo were born early, and so we knew that they were going to have a NICU stay. And so when we left Brooklyn, we knew we were probably going to be gone for a month. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of like, we need to prepare everything to be gone for a month in just a matter of hours. And yeah. Um, Whirlwind. Yeah. yeah, and I think through the couple days of waiting, um, and then also, I mean, that drive to Philly was there's so many emotions and there's so much to anticipate. And we are kind of, we decided to believe and pray that God was going to give us exactly what we needed for like each moment as it passed. Um, and not like five minutes from now, but like this moment right now, um, as we're waiting and anxious. And then as we're driving there and we're parking and walking in, like God's going to meet with us like each moment as it passes. And we still, I still think about that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom and, you know, you hear people say, well, we're just going to take this a day at a time. But sometimes you have to break it down into <laughs> yeah. smaller increments. Like, yeah, give me moments. 10 minutes, yeah. you know, like show up. The, the, you know, the, the present is the moment that we, that we meet with God. And that's, mm-hmm. that is so beautiful. So Philadelphia, walk, walk us through, you get there. Yeah, it's, we, it's like. we got there, we, we met. Lily and Theo not too long after we got to the hospital and it was amazing it was like yeah I just wept when I when I saw Lily for the first time and he cried really hard and I just froze like because <laughs> all the nurses are there watching oh, yeah. I'm just like the people watching you react Hello. Uh, <laughs> uh, meeting meeting our children for the very first yeah. time and so it was beautiful it was amazing we spent 11 days with Lily and Theo in the, in the NICU, mm-hmm. just hanging out with them every day, reading them books, telling them about Brooklyn, telling them about their grandparents and, mm-hmm. and aunts and uncles. Um, giving and them names. Giving them names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Is that a simple, easy decision? It's not as easy <laughs> as we <would> expected. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, but yeah, we, it was a great, wonderful 11 days. And then that 11th day, we actually got a phone call from our agency um, letting us know that there had been some, there's some uncertainty with the adoption um, moving forward. Um, and and they, they basically said, you know, we were at the hospital at that time. They said, um, you should go in and say goodbye to the kids. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was hard. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, I think that was maybe one of the hardest moments, I think, for, for both of us, like, ever um, Definitely, in yeah. our lives. Um, and then, yeah, so we, so we did that, um, sort of said, okay, God, we don't know what is possible or what, how, to, like, this may go through, but, and, or why this may be happening, but we want to trust that, like, you still see us, that you have, you have given us signposts along the way this entire time, um, and so we want to trust and believe that you still, that, that Lily and Theo will, will still be part of our family. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we did. We walked out of the hospital that, that day, and that was really, really hard. Um, mm-hmm. And then we, we sort of had about five, or, about five or six days of, 
uh, so we said, they said you should go home to New York. They said, it's probably not gonna work out. You should go home to New York. We said, there was some, because the, the level of uncertainties, we said, well, you know, we're just gonna stick around for, we're gonna stick around because um, we wanna see, you know, if maybe some of the things that could, could change, will change. Um, and then about five days in, they sort of called and said, it doesn't look like, like this is gonna happen. You should go home. Um, and so that was a, that was, I think the hardest, yes. the hardest night I think we've ever had. Yeah. Um, but we, cause during that time, I mean, we were still in Philly, like hoping and praying that something would change. Yeah. And we were just walking around Philly praying out through this whole process. We just decided like, we're just going to pray out loud. Yeah. Like all the time, and everything that comes into our mind, we're just gonna, we're just gonna pray like, Cause it's, it's so painful and it's so hard. Um, and so we, the, where they were in the NICU was like the eighth floor of this hospital. And every night we would walk over there and just pray for them, like outside the hospital and pray that they would grow and develop and, um, pray that they would feel Jesus like holding them since like we weren't there. Um, and we would pray that we could go back inside. <laughs> um, and so we, during that stretch of time, we were just crying out to God and praying and like, he can do this, he can do this, he can do this. Um, and then when the agency told us again, like you just need to like go back to New York, then I think we really. Yeah, I mean, there were just genuine moments of doubt in like God and genuine like, like anger, <laughs> frustration to say like, God, why would you let this happen? Yeah, bring us this far. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and we had, we reached out to some, some friends, um, in our community and just said, please, please pray. And so mm -hmm. many people like, just like picked up the phone and like, were just prayed alongside us, um, mm -hmm. late at night. And, um, yeah. And then, but the next day, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of said like, okay, well, let's like, let's just. Let's just get, let's just go to bed, like get through tomorrow and then we can start making plans to go home after tomorrow. And um, I've never, I journal and I've never like prayed in all caps in my journal. And I was so angry. I was yeah. just like, do not abandon us. Do not abandon them. Like you have to do something. Like you have to move today. Like you have to do something, do it. Like <laughs> all caps. Um, and he did um, like throughout after the night before, we heard go go home, go to New York. Like nothing is gonna change in this in this situation. And like every few hours that next day, we got a better and better and better call. And by like with new information, with new information, and I think by like that evening, they said um, like it's gonna happen. Like you can come pick up Theo tomorrow because he's being discharged. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So, yes. Uh, what's the time frame there from that, like we're leaving all caps journaling till that call? That was like late at night on whatever day. Like that was late at night when we thought like this isn't happening. Um, and then at 10 a.m. the next day, we'd we're sort of said, hey, there might be a, we got a email or phone call saying, hey, there might actually be a chance. There's some paperwork. There's some things that like we didn't even realize like was was there um, that might still keep this as an opportunity. And then just a few, like basically, so that was like roughly so like mid to late morning that next day, 
by I think 10:30 that night, we had been given like the official news that like yeah. the, the adoption is gonna <laughs> the adoption is gonna move forward. It wasn't like permanent, and it's still technically we're still in the at the very end of the finalization process. But mm-hmm. we'd basically been given like the official like, hey, it's gonna it's more or less going to go forward. You can go back to the hospital. Wow. So that was roughly like 12 hours that next day. Mm-hmm. Got through like three, Total 180. three or four different like yeah. updates. Everything changed. And at the end of the day, I was like, thanks God. <laughs> okay, you listened. Uh, okay, thank you. Is that like all lowercase? Like, what yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was less bold. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and we when we went, it was so awesome because we, when we went back to the hospital, all these random nurses and doctors, some we didn't even talk to, were like, "We were praying for you. Yeah. Like yeah. we were praying that that uh, that this would come through." Yeah. And so we just we heard a lot of of that from people we didn't even know that had somehow heard about our story yeah. that they were praying, and we felt I just felt so humbled. Um, like how much God was writing and holding this story and holding these kids. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, that's so beautiful, unbelievable. I know, you know, you know, it says in Hannah's story, she pours out her soul in anguish before the Lord. And I mm-hmm. feel like there's some parallels there. I know there's like, there's parts of the story, you know, we don't even know about that, you know, ways that God's showing up. There's the, the birth families and all these situations that are going through an entirely different situation. Yeah. You guys get to encounter some of those stories and yeah. and it's not like God's just showing up on one side of these you know, mm-hmm. these these mm-hmm. moments. But um, the part we get to see is is incredible that, you mm-hmm. know, like God, you know, answers and as you said was holding holding the story and holding these these beautiful babies. Mm-hmm. So you're in, you're in it, right? You're, mm-hmm. uh, you're very much in it. Very much in it. Here, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm guessing I'm very uh, little sleep of you know something like that. <laughs> these these two have been wonderful. For they have been sleeping through the night for a few months. For a few months yeah. now, and so that is yeah. like <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah right? Now, if we could just we could if we could just like figure out the whole like. Getting them to put food in their mouths on their yeah. on their own, mm-hmm. th- then we'd be we'll be in good shape. Mm-hmm. I hear that's that's it. There's well, no, I'm, five no years, I'm five years in on one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on that, so mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's such a such a beautiful story. I, I my heart is so stirred by your your faith and your courage walking through uh, the different ways that you know. It's one thing to talk about community, um, you know, in this like idea space, but when, when we come to rely on one another in those crucible moments, it's mm-hmm. it's so it's so beautiful. And I just want to thank you for letting us in on you know mm-hmm. your story, not just in the telling of it now, but all along these these you know, years of journeying. And um, yeah, gonna be in prayer for <laughs> <laughs> for you and. Thank and you. Theo and Lily, and um, invite our church to pray along with us. And I uh, just can't say thank you enough for, for letting us in on this these parts of the story. Yeah, no. you bet. Yeah, thank you. Church, we have heard a lot this morning already, and I want to invite you to consider your own heart in, in, 
in relationship to these stories? Are, are you in a place where um, you've been experiencing prolonged disappointment? Are you in a place where you need to bring some deep anguish to God? I think the story of Hannah and the story of Logan and Emily and, and Theo and Lily joining their family, um, they, they direct our hearts uh, in, some, in some beautiful ways. And I just want to mention a couple of them quickly. The first is, is right off the top that, that we are invited to bring our heartbreak to God. Where we go with our pain in this world really matters. And uh, it it is a beautiful thing to know that our God in the story of redemption didn't stay distant from our pain, but actually plunged himself into the middle of the story and and got involved all, all the way up to the point of the cross. And so um, we know that, that Jesus is acquainted with sorrow, um, that he knows what it's like to be in, in, in pain. Um, I think there's also an invitation in here for how we pray, that uh, let's become people who, who begin where we really are and who pour out our hearts to God, who uh, hold nothing back as we, as we vent our soul uh, to our Heavenly Father. I think you see uh, in both stories this this overlap of longing and surrender. And maybe our surrender is not going to feel perfect, but we can begin with bringing our true longing to God in, in, in prayer. And to me, my heart was reminded, right, there are parts of the story, uh, parts of God's plan that I, I can't see in, in, in the moment sometimes, right? And that's, I guess that's so obvious. It's such a thing a pastor would say, but right, we can't see always around the corner. And um, and I think in those times, right, Eli in the story is, is instructive, right? He's not perfect by any means, a lot of pain in his own family, but he can, he is a priest in that moment. He offers peace. He joins in with the prayer. We can do that, right, as a part of the priesthood of all believers. We can stand beside one another in our pain and our disappointment and offer peace, join our prayers together, be, be those people who mediate back the grace and presence of God uh, to one another in, in, in those moments. And uh, the last thing I'll say is, is I think these stories are instructive for our hearts because God's character and God's promises are not, are not changing. Um, the, the, the results are, are in God's hand, and, and, and there is a level of surrender there, but we can be absolutely confident in the foundation of God's heart, of God's character, and of God's promises. And so I just invite you, church, to bring your whole heart, to, to bring your whole heart to this God who we have met in these two stories this morning. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, minister to your church by your Holy Spirit right now. God, we're, we're talking about encountering you, Lord. May that not just be a title uh, of, this, of this series, but it may be the actual experience of our lives today. Would you embrace us with your love? Would you embrace us with your presence? Would you, would you lift up um, in these places of anguish and prolonged disappointment in our lives? Would you lift up our heads? Um, would, you, would you be our guide? Uh, you are, are writing the story. God, help us in Christ's name to trust you. Amen.